welcome to the Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. We are your hosts. I'm Ian, a surgeon. I'm Zichin, a gastroenterologist. We're both practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. We are still in Season 2 and today we're on Episode 3. And today we will be talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, it is our honour today to have Dr. Lim Ai Wei, a consultant, statistician and gynecologist from Thompson Hospital, Kota Damansara, to share with us here on this little understood disease and it's a topic that's not commonly discussed as yet. Yeah. So yep. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, we know that it actually affects the woman of childbearing age. Maybe I would like to tell us yeah, what it is, what's the definition of it. Does it mean that one will have a lot of cysts in their ovary? Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Aiwei here. You can call me Dr. Lim or Aiwei. Okay. This topic about PCOS or most of us call it polycystic ovarian syndrome or even some of us use terminologies like PCOS nowadays. Uh, it's a very common, I would say, endocrine disorder among the younger generation now. When I say younger, I'm not talking about teenage age. We are talking about uh, women reproductive age, mainly after the age of 21. So what happens now is this polycystic ovarian syndrome. I have patients walking into the clinics asking me if they have this problem. It's like just walking in and just say, doctor, can you see if I got PCOS? I will be like, uh, why are we talking about this topic suddenly? So they will be like Googling, reading and everything like that or their friends had it and they will say that doctor, because my friends had it and doctors scare them out of it, so I also want to know if I have it. So it's a common endocrine problem. It's a common infertility issues among the women reproductive age. And we are seeing a rise in it because more patients are coming forward wanting to know. Mm. So what happens is these ladies usually come in with either an infertility issue or a menstrual issue. When we talk about menstrual, it means their periods. The periods are not a lot, but they rarely have periods. That's the problem. When we talk about rare, means probably one year once or two years once or things like that. So it's really very rare where they could count it with even five fingers itself. They can tell the doctor, I know when I had it. It's like rarely. So these ladies are always most of the time on the larger side, sadly to say. So most of the problems that we see coming from these patients are when they are planning to get married, they walk in into you and they say, doctor, I have no period. So there will be no pregnancy, right? Then you will be like, Oh, so you have read, so you know. She will be like, yes, of course. So they will be there telling you, doctor, I already know I got PCOS and it goes on and on. So it's quite a common thing nowadays that we are seeing. So probably because people are aware of this issue nowadays. And we have a few criterias to diagnose it. It used to be just blood taking, but now it involves scanning a proper physical examination and a proper history taking, like how we used to do in medical school, asking thorough questions and all thorough physical examination before we can come to a diagnosis. So it's kind of like a lot of people are overdiagnosed because maybe just by scan and they see something and they say, oh, you are PCOS. But they actually don't have menstrual problems or they don't have any other problems. So if you ask me, there are quite overdiagnosed patients that we are seeing nowadays also at the same time. And the scans usually, yes, they do see cyst-like structures. I would just say like fluid feel round structures over the ovaries, that's all. Not like cyst-cyst that you need a surgery kind of a cyst. Mm. So interestingly, you, you mentioned just now they can count their menses or period with one hand. But what about those who are a bit irregular? Say they have it more than the usual 
because I've read a little bit that it's usually more than five weeks. What about those? Those are a bit irregular, right? They come maybe every two months, sometimes maybe a little bit earlier, but not the regular four weeks, five week cycle. Are those people also at risk or maybe potentially have uh, PCOS? Yes, of course. I mean, like I said, the, these menstrual irregularities is actually a very vague thing that we know. Yep. Some doctors use 35 days. Anything more than 35 days is abnormal. Some doctors use like anything more than 90 days is abnormal. Some of them say 160 days is abnormal. But generally, most of the ladies don't have the ideal 28-day cycle of a period. Most of us don't. That, that That is what everybody wants to have. They want to have their periods every month. Mm. But it doesn't happen to the majority of us. We probably will have like 30, 35 and then when you're a bit more stressed out or you are a bit sick and then, then you don't sleep well, then your, your your periods just delay a week or so and then it goes on like that. And then you, you'll notice that, oh, the ideal is not there anymore. Yep. But if you ask us, most of the periods that we see in PCOS patients are not the 35 or 40 days. Yes, you, you can be having like 40-day cycle and things like that, but that is still considered normal in gynae. Mm, I see. In gynae, when we talk about gynae, we say that if you do not have periods of more than some of us three months or four months, max is you must have your periods every four months. That is max. If you don't bleed by the fourth month itself, then we will say that hey, there is something wrong with you. That is what we used to call oligomenorrhea. Yep. That means you have reduced menses. So if you talk about four months once, you only bleed like what? Three times a year, mm. which is like, oh, that is really very little. But if you are talking like two months once or three months once, I mean, and if you have spontaneous period on your own, that's considered fair. That's quite normal to most of us. I mean, it's acceptable most of the time. I right. see. So is there an arbitrary figure, you know, like how many times of menses that you have in a year is considered okay, you know? Like for me, in the gastro world, we talk about constipation, you know, three times passing motion in a week is okay, you know? It's the same thing as everyone initially thought that, oh, you have to have, you have to be able to pass motion every day, you know? But yep. but that that's not how it is that we define it. Is there an, a figure that they can... About. Till today, there is no particular figure, but I will say that if you talk about four months maximum once, at least three times a year, that should be good enough. But when you have talked about having menses, means we are talking about a flow of where you see blood coming out in like fresh blood. Mm. We are not talking about one to two spots kind of a thing of like brown spots like that. That is not considered menses. So you must have like three times a year of a regular, a normal menses, which is something that is associated with passing out fresh blood at least for a day. And that is good enough for most of us. Okay, like, like a full actually. cycle, like a proper cycle. Yes, like a full cycle. I mean, it, it can be a five-day cycle or three-day cycle or a two-day cycle. That is fine. Mm. As long as there is fresh blood coming out instead of just some staining and some spotting, that is not considered. Okay, just uh, before we dive too much into menses, actually, how common is because you did say it's getting more and more prevalent. How, what do, do you have numbers by hand? Actually, even if you go to worldwide statistics, there is no exact number. Right. But the numbers most of the time that we see are the infertility numbers. Right. So most of the ladies that come in because of infertility, at least we will say at least half of them are actually PCOS. Mm. Majority of the them, at least that is 50% already. Most of the time it's actually PCOS. So because when you have PCOS, you do not ovulate. Mm. So we, we see this do not ovulate patients that is walking to us in infertility. Most ladies don't come to you because of period problems. Right. To, to a lot of ladies, right, periods is trouble. 
troublesome. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd rather have no periods. So what if you have, I have periods? It's, it's a lot of work. Right. So they, they don't come to you because of periods problem, but they come to you when they get married and they want a child. Yeah. Uh, that is where the statistic comes yeah, in. Okay. Because it's because of that. I see. Cur- cur- curiously, the other 50% what is the men that's causing the, the no child? <laughs> no, actually, frankly speaking, right, even though the 50% is because most of the time when we examine both. both of them together, if they are willing to be examined together, they, I would say that a good 70 to 80% of the couples are actually problematic. That means ah. both of them have problems. It's, it's not like everybody's sperm is like mm. great, <laughs> you see, warriors. Yep, yep. And it not doesn't good. mean that you have because you have infertility, right? Yep. Yes, that's, that's right. That, that is why people are always very scared when they are married and they walk in into us telling me, can you see if I got PCOS because mm. I want to have a child? Mm. And majority of the PCOS patients, we will say that if you talk about having PCOS and getting pregnant on your own, majority of them do get pregnant on their own mm. without us needing to do anything. Not everybody has the money to do an IVF. Yep, yep. That's the thing. So, okay. if they have a peak cost and they have a partner, it's better to counsel both together, right? Of Rather course, than being stigmatized. Yes. Okay, that's a good point there. Infertility is probably one of the things that people look out for or they attribute to peak cost, but I'm sure there are other symptoms, right? Or do you have patients that come with other symptoms and then you diagnose with peak cost? Yes, like very young diabetes patients. Oh, okay. I personally have a few young patients that I would say like probably at the age of 16, 17 years old where they are already having diabetes and they are referred from the endocrinologist to us to see whether they have PCOS or not because of their menstrual irregularities that they talk mm. about. But of course, these kind of young girls are very hard to diagnose PCOS because they usually do not have ovulatory cycles. That is normal for that age group. Right. So we usually don't confirm them by having PCOS. But of course, to diagnose a person with PCOS, you must fulfill three criterias. I mean, like out of three, you must fulfill two, mm. which one of them is oligomenal. The other one is if they have features that looks like they have an increased male hormone level, which is a testosterone, which we call hyperandrogenism. That means if you have more male facial hairs or your voice is very like male-like kind of a voice like that, that kind of a features or if you take blood and your testosterone level is very high, then probably yes. That, that fulfills already two criteria out of three without even needing to scan them. Mm. Then you can say, yeah, you most likely you have PCOS. But you see in a virgin lady walking into you and you want to scan them per abdominally to confirm PCOS when your ovaries is like behind your uterus, it's very hard to scan. Uh. It's better if you can do a vagina scan. So out of three, if you fulfill two even without scanning, you can comfortably say that yes, you have PCOS without even I need to scan because at the end of the day, if you see a lady with increased testosterone level and she has signs that there is male changes itself, the treatment is the same whether you confirm her as PCOS or not via scan. It's going to be the same. The hormonal treatment is the same. So do you need to test the testosterone level or the androgens level? Yes. We usually do do that testosterone level because one of the reasons is if it's too high, you might want to exclude some form of a tumour that is causing that hormonal level to go up. Mm. Which it is reversible because you just need to remove, remove that tumor and done. There is no PCOS anymore. The, the the periods go back to normal. That's it. But we do do that reading most of the time. Most of us do do because as long as you come into a gynae with irregular menses in like scarly, you have menses. Most of us will do a profile to make sure that your hormonal profile, your male profile, it means your your hormone profiles are normal, including thyroid and prolactin. We will definitely do that. And there are also certain time that you actually take 
the hormonal blood test, right? It's yes. not any yep. time yep. of the day not, or any time yes. of the month, right? You would time yeah. it. Especially if it's related to infertility, we have to be very precise in that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, back to the age-old question that all patients ask. Doctor, is there something I ate or did that caused me to have PCOS? No, it's not something that you ate. It's not like your, something that your mom ate either. Yep. It's not something that your mom did when she was pregnant with yep. you. Like I said, it is usually something that happens spontaneously on its own. Yes, you are going to carry it for lifelong, but there are a lot of measures that can be taken to reduce the, the complications following a PCOS for future. That's why, I mean, like, that's why if we confirm you as a PCOS, that means we label you as a PCOS patient. We will tell you very clearly, look, you carry a risk of this. This is what you need to do. That's it. I see. So is there any, uh, I've read somewhere, some, some relation with uh, endometrial cancer? Is that true? Yes, it's true. Because you rarely have periods. Rarely. So that there is some form of an abnormal thickening that is not properly shed off on a regular basis. And this abnormal thickening causes definitely some form of a changes in long run. Mm. But you don't get endometrial cancer over like five years, one year or three years like that. We're talking about long term, like probably when you reach the age of 40s or 50s, then that is when everything starts setting in. You know, that is the age where everybody thinks that abnormal bleeding is just because I'm going to go for my menopause and hence that's why. So someone that might not be having periods all this while suddenly have heavy periods and they will be like, hey, this is okay. Definitely I'm going to be menopause. But sadly to say it's not. It was that PCOS that you had last time that actually made you bleed abnormally now and probably it's going to be endometrial cancer. Yes. Okay. So that means we have to also monitor the previously thought abnormal suddenly turned normal is also not normal, right? Yes. That's why we always try as a gynae to make it as ideal as possible. That means like if we know that you are not planning to get married for the time being, to reduce your risk, some of us do give you certain hormonal pills to let you have menses every month so that we reduce the risk of the changes. But of course, the pills are hormonal pills and then the risk following hormonal pills is an another thing to discuss about with patients. Mm. I see. So what's the mainstay treatment for because Is it just hormonal pills or I mean if they have male features, is that resolved with, with hormonal pills itself or anything else they need to do? Okay, so usually when a patient walks in into most of us, we will ask them very clearly what do they want. When they come to you, is it a menstrual problem or I mean like a period problem? Or is it a pregnancy-related issue? That means it's hard for you to get pregnant or infertility. Sadly, for PCOS patients, you cannot have both together. You choose one. It's either you have periods, which is going to be hormonal pills, which most of the time are family planning pills. Family planning pills means no pregnancy. Or you choose pregnancy, which is not going to be related to hormonal pills. Right? So either one. So we will always tell patients that, okay, if you want your periods to be regular every month, fine, then I'll give you hormonal pills. That's it. But the hormonal pills are definitely something that will try to reduce the male hormonal level inside them, which on the market, there is only like one, which is called Diane. That's why you see PCOS patients are usually on one treatment, which is Diane 35, because they have that particular component inside them that reduces the male hormones and therefore their face features becomes prettier. They don't have the acne anymore. They don't have that facial hair. They don't have that coarse legs hair. And also they, they are very happy when they are on the medications. They feel pretty again. But suddenly once they stop it, uh, it, re- it comes back. I so see. We'll be like, mm. Okay. So does that mean that when they want to get pregnant, they have to stop that pill, right? Because that's a yes, family planning pill. That, 
Yes, we always tell them, look, now we are starting you on this pill because of your, because of your period issue. So once we stop this pill itself, probably and very likely your periods will come back to be abnormal again. But of course, if you want to get married, you cannot be on this pill. If you're on this pill, then definitely you are not going to talk about pregnancy. So we always tell them, okay, we are going to put you on this pill to regulate your periods. If your periods don't come every four months, that is what is happening. So then once you are going to get married, like probably four to six months before marriage itself, please stop it and see how your period comes back. As You, you, you never know once you are on a long-term medication like that, there might be some form of auto-regulation in your body that your, your, your body just readjusts back to whatever pills, cycles that was on last time and voila, it might just be normal again. You never know. I mean, like not as normal as normal, ideal, but probably at least something every two to three months instead of nothing once a year. That's the thing. Sure. So you, you mentioned something earlier on about some patients coming to you with diabetes as well, right? Early onset of diabetes. So by treating the PCOS, does that help with the diabetes or do they also need to be on an extra treatment for the diabetes? Actually, the diabetes is something that most of the time it will happen even if the PCOS is going to be controlled. We notice that PCOS does increase the risk of getting diabetes. And most of the time, as said, because these PCOS patients are more on the obese patient, that means the larger patients. So these obese patients already carry a risk of diabetes. So adding on to it, I mean like, so we will always tell them that the first thing in PCOS, we always tell patients that whatever happens, the first thing that you must be able to do is achieve a normal weight mm. for your height. That means a normal BMI. That is something that is important. Right. If you don't achieve that normal BMI, whatever it is, your risk of diabetes, your risk of ovarian, I mean like endometrial cancer, which is uterus cancer, is definitely going to be higher than anybody. It's not avoidable. So we always tell patients, wait, wait, wait. But that is something that they really don't like to hear. This is the problem. Because they definitely cannot achieve that weight. They will come in with a weight of 100 kgs. Three months, that you, you tell them that, okay, I see you back in three months' time. Three months later, they come in to you in 102 kgs. You'll be like, how come it's increasing? They will tell you, doctor, I cut down my food. I said, that's not enough. You have to burn some food. <laughs> I hope like, they don't. Hmm. I hope they don't literally burn their food, like barbecue or something. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Kyra Jamaludin like, says that one in two, right? So that's the statistic. Bring <laughs> him. Mm. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. It's that not, that that, that basic, easy. basically uh looks up most of my conversations with my patient in clinic as well. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not easy. They will tell you they do exercise. You know, you know what is the exercise? They will tell you, doctor. I suddenly start mopping the floor. You'll be like. <laughs> Mopping the floor is an exercise now. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I mean, it's back to educating. I mean, I also have to do that with my patients. Uh, I always do specifically say doing house chores is not enough. Then you need to sit down and, and tell them. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of doctors don't like to do that as well. Sitting and going through all this whole conversation about how you can live healthily, which I think is helpful, yeah. but it, it's, it takes up time. And you know, your clinic is full of patients, right? Anyway, let's not go into that. But yeah, I think that's <laughs> definitely definitely something that they, they have to we have to look into as well so if I can summarize properly um, if most of your patients come in for PCOS they either have uh, infertility or they have masculine features or they are diagnosed with early diabetes and I think what you have mentioned very clearly is that uh, they have to choose why they're coming in for of course I think if they come in for diabetes you probably address the same two issues which is they, do they want normal periods or do they want to no periods or basically I guess also they are masculine features or if they want to get pregnant. Am I correct to summarize it that yes, way? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Is there any options that's available there to actually help to improve the chances of pregnancy in the patient with PCOS? First thing is ideal weight. Mm. Okay. Nothing is more important than that. I always tell patients things when they walk in, right? I will just tell them number one is your weight. They will tell me their answer will be, doctor, I have a friend that is bigger than me and she managed to get pregnant. Then my next answer will be, but sadly, you are not your friend. Yeah, so I will true. tell them, you have to bring down your weight. Very true. First is your weight. Secondly is, you must have regular sexual intercourse. Because you, you, you do not know when you are ovulating. That's the problem. Because you have very scattered menses. It's like you do not know when is the particular time that you're ovulating. You cannot count like how everybody can count all day, 12 days, 14 days, 16. It doesn't work that way. So I always tell them, put it simple, bring down your weight. Once you bring down your weight, you have regular sexual intercourse, which is like once or twice per week. Hopefully the warrior, which is the sperm, can meet one of your ovulation days and voila, you manage to get pregnant on your own. So I always, there are lots of patients that will do a lot of things to see whether they are ovulating, like using ovulating kits and things like that. But if you buy a kit and you do not know how to use it, it's pointless at the end of the day. Mm. I see. And it's because also affects uh, pregnancy, right? Yes. When you are pregnant, there's a very high chance that you will be having diabetes, you will be needing metformin, and then the chances of having more problems during pregnancy is actually higher, especially medical problems, high blood pressure, diabetes. Because like I said before, they are more usually on the obese side of the the, the patients are usually slightly obese. yeah. yeah, it's a weight issue. So so this obese alone is a topic to discuss for pregnancy that is like so big topic that everybody is like, oh, once you see a lady walking in and it's 100 kilo and she's only like early pregnancy, you already start having a headache. Oh, yeah. there comes wow. all the problems slowly. So I yeah. think the message probably starts with preparing your body before the pregnancy starts, right? Monitoring, mm. get, a, get, a, get a good yes. weight before, before you start your pregnancy of anything, you know, that would really help prevent all the problems and complications that comes along later. Yes, mm. but it's not easy in our Asian countries with the kind of diet that we have mm. and the timing of food that we are eating even at 3am in the morning. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with the ease of food availability and you know the abundance of food everywhere and the types of... Mm. It's a bit difficult to... It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. But uh, okay, I mean, it's good to know. I think at least hopefully with some of the listeners out there, if they hear this, then they know that I think again with our podcast, we've been very consistent about talking about being healthy, <laughs> eating healthily and exercising. But I think honestly speaking for the, the ones who are a little bit bigger size, it's a bit hard to exercise as well. Yeah, that's definitely something that they need to consider with food and I think with exercise in regards to health. I don't know. I think it's been very informative for me. I got a very clear picture of what PCOS is. It's uh, only something I... I barely knew, but I think it's much clearer now. Uh, at least I know what to do with when the patients come and you know what roughly needs to be done. Just a last question I have for Iway. Does PCOS ever go away? No, you will have it. But it just doesn't mean that it will affect you as a lifelong yeah. problem. It's a matter of how you look into it. As long as you are controlling your weight well, you have periods every like at least two to three months once. Your risk of having diabetes, your risk of having endometrial cancer is as the same as the general population. So the main thing that most of us want is ideal weight, ideal weight and ideal weight. Mm. As long as you get an ideal weight based on your height, then that is good enough. We're not talking about a particular figure. I mean like as as long as that height of yours 
you achieve a particular weight, your BMI majority in Asians is around 27 to 30. That is good enough for us. We are like happy enough for about that. Yes. Yeah. I think with that, I think uh, we come to an end of this podcast. Thanks a lot, Aiwei, for the very informative session. Please do email us if you have any questions at prescriptionpod, P-R-E-S-C-R-I-P-T-I-O-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. With that, thank you for listening in. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.